Coming up today on Ovia's Angelio, the Carolina Hurricanes find themselves down 0-2 in the Eastern Conference Finals. While they've been here before, they're also nursing a 10-game losing streak in the Eastern Conference Finals. John Forzen will drop on by to discuss what's next, plus the relationship between Rod Brennamore and Florida Panthers head coach Paul Maurice. Rihanna, seen in a Panthers uniform? Does that mean Super Bowl? OG. 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 Golly. It is time that we do something new. Joe Ovius and Joe Gillian. By doing something new, I mean doing something old, but we're bringing it back, so it's basically new. Here we go. Let's podcast. Gillio, Ovias, and the Canes are down 0-2, heading into game three tonight down in Sunrise, Joe. I'm not, I don't know about you, but I'm not in like panic mode like some people seem to be. I understand the Canes have not won an Eastern Conference Finals game in a long time. They it's now 10 losses in a row. You got to go back to 2006 for their last win. But I'm not I'm not freaking out, man, because honestly, the Canes have played pretty well. Bob has just been super locked in and some bad puck luck and everything else. I mean, the margin for error is really, really thin. At some point, it'll break in the Canes favor. I think it'll start tonight. Yeah, I think there's reason not to panic. This team has been resilient. They've lost players before. They've lost games before. They've always found a way to bounce back. I think you you are ha- you have solid reasons to have optimism. Those are grounded in logic and solid reasons. There have been four games played, by the way, in the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals. All four have gone to overtime. So as I said before the, this round started, these teams – All four of these teams are very, very even. They're very, very similar. The difference is going to be, as you said, which who can get the right bounce, whose goalie is going to be outstanding. And then this gets to the existential question now for the case. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. (laughs) And that is, are your guys, are your skill guys, are they good enough to win the cup? Because we've talked a lot about goalies, right? My gosh, we've talked a lot about goalies. My thing. Freddie Anderson was had an out-of-body experience in game one. Mm-hmm. He was Patrick Waugh in his prime. He was Marty Brodeur in the old dirty Meadowlands playing the puck like he was a wizard. He was unbelievable. Okay? Yeah. Nancy Ronta comes back in game two, and it was just as good. And they end up losing the game. So you're going, well, what what could the difference be? And then you look at the Panthers. Who is scoring the goals for the Panthers? Okay. They're top top guys. It's their skill guys. Mm -hmm. The Barkoff goal, the fake between the legs, that was preposterous. Yeah. Okay. Kachuk scores two game winners in overtime. And you're like, okay, well, cool. Uh, Maybe that's lucky or whatever. I think perhaps what we're seeing now, and the question for the Canes has to be, the central question, is Sebastian Ajo good enough to be your top player? Mm -hmm. Or do you have to reevaluate the top of your salary cap? Yeah, he's been been quiet in the series. He's been quiet since, I think, game three of the Devils series. But as we always know with hockey, Joe, I'm only saying this for context purposes because I completely agree with you on Sebastian Ajo and whether or not there is another elevation of his game. As good as he is in playoff time, can you elevate once again? We have these questions about Andrei Sveshnikov, which yeah. we thought 
could have gotten answered this year, but he's hurt. Obviously, that's going to have to wait. Um, but you, what do we always know about hockey? There's a joke that makes the rounds on the internet uh, every so often. Like when when a series ends and your team goes home, you come to find out like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, your top player has actually been playing with a prosthetic foot the entire time because they had it amputated. You know, like the like, like crazy thing. Oh, yeah, by the way, he had internal bleeding for three of the last four games and he toughed it out because that's hockey. Yeah, and I I know what you're saying, and I thought Ajo's goal in Game Six against the Islanders was what you wanted to see out of your best player. Yeah, but I, and I'm not trying to pin this on Ajo. I'm not trying to pin this on Marty Natchez or Tavo Teravainen. I'm simply asking if you're the Hurricanes, you have done an amazing job in five years under Rod Brindamore in building a regular season team that knows how to win. They know how to play a certain way, and they know that they have an unbelievable resiliency, which is directly tied to their head coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Don Waddell, Tom Dundon, they've made very smart moves and they've built a very nice little Keebler tree here. Okay. But ultimately they have to ask themselves a question. What we've built, did we build it on the right cornerstones? Okay. Yeah. And that's where I'm looking at Aho. I'm looking at Tara Vinen. And to your point about Svechnikov, this would have been one of those years where you look at him and go, okay, now they've invested the in you, you know, because they'll tweak all of the pieces around those players. And I'm sorry for talking about the Canes as if they're done. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I, I was apologize. about to say, the, the series, let, let's, let's, let's put the pause button right there because the series isn't over. I mean, there is a history with the Carolina Hurricanes where they've been in this position before. Rod Brindamore has been a part of it and they've overcome that. Uh, it's also important to note, that the Panthers seem to be a different team at home. And at some point, you would think that things would cool off for Bobrovsky. Okay, because here, here's where I'm at with this. All right. Well, here, actually, here's I mean, it's, Rod Brindamore. It's like molten hot lava. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. <laughs> so here's Brindamore. He was asked about, like, hey, man, like, how do you feel you're playing? And what the heck is Bobrovsky doing to kind of shut this thing down? Like, what are you seeing in this? Here's Rod's response. You've done a pretty good job overall for you watching the game. You know, shift after shift after shift. It's it's just a couple of mistakes here or there, and then that's the difference with the elite players. Is you know, game one he gets open in the slot for a second, and that that's that game. And then last night, kind of again, he just goes to net. But really, was defensive made a heck of a play to find him, and he, you know, he's not going to miss too many of those. So I, I think um, you know, elite players when you give them a little bit of space, they're going to make you pay. I don't think it's been a you know dominant like. If you actually look at it the other way, the chances, the grade A chances against on that line, we've been done pretty well. It's just we haven't been able to score. So that's Rod Brittimore yesterday looking ahead to game three tonight against the Florida Panthers uh, down in Sunrise. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking about what he said, but you heard what he said. And what's that? Uh, Elite players, when you give them space, they make you pay. Yes. And that's what Kachuk is. Oh, Kachuk. Has done that, but I think that's why the Canes went out and got Max Pacioretty. Yeah, I'm not trying to blame this on the injury. I'm just saying they made a they made a move specifically to get a player like that mm-hmm. because in the previous playoff renditions, they they've run up against this wall before, where you play even strength, you play to an even right, and then they have reevaluated the goalie and then reevaluated the goalie and then tweaked it and you know did all the things that they've done there. Yeah. To try not to lose series based on who they had in net. Okay. They seemingly have, have, 
have at least plugged a hole in the wall on that. Now the question has to be, the central question for the Canes is, have we built around the right players? Are our elite skill players finishing their chances at the same rate as a Kachuk, at the same yeah. rate as a Bergeron, at the same rate as a Panarin, as the same rate as a Zabinijad that we saw in previous years of how they were sent home. That's if I'm Tom Dundon this morning, that's what I'm looking at. And that's fine. But also you're mentioning teams that are also home and just got got by. And this is the other thing no, about no, hockey. I'm, sometimes. I'm giving you the examples, though, of the teams who have beaten them. Totally the get that. Years. I, I yeah. totally get that. But there's also another aspect of hockey and sports in general where the hot team's the hot team, man. And there's nothing you can really do about it. And that's right now where the that's Carolina, fair. Where that's the Carolina fair. see, I did it. The Carolina Panthers. I made the mistake, not ESPN. The Florida Panthers. We'll talk about the, the Carolina Panthers in a bit. So here, here's the thing. Maybe it's because I've been playing uh, Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. A little. Too. Are you familiar with that Zelda game, Joe? <laughs> no. Okay, of course not. So there's a new Zelda game. <laughs> So hold on, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm going to put this. All right, Colin I'm going to put this. Hold this gonna, one. Wait, wait. All right. Pull this one to the barn. So pull this one out. Here we I'm go. Pull this one to the barn. Follow me here. Follow me. Okay. Here, all right. Reminds me a lot of Zelda. If I can go my full Colin Cowherd voice. So, do you remember you you always played you always you played mostly sports games on the Nintendo, right? You, like, you played Mario, Mario, right? There are games like Zelda Mario, where eh? there's games like Zelda's where you think you beat the boss. But then the boss has like one final throw at you, right? You're like, oh, I got him. And then suddenly, like, there's this next level to the boss and you got to do it all over again. That's Bob right now. Because here, here was my mentality after game one, which I, I went home early. You, you saw me go home early because the kids were toast. They did not want to watch any more hockey that night. They got, their, they got their money's worth for Jacob's birthday on Thursday night. But here's the difference. They've got this hot goalie. They don't trust their other guy. It's very similar to what happened in the Devil series where they didn't have a goalie. They were just kind of, who, who could you go to? Whereas the Hurricanes with Freddie Anderson and Ranta have guys that they can put in there and what does Rod always talk about? Give them a chance, right? So they could go back to Ranta like they did on Saturday night and it'd be the right move and he played well. The thought is you just played two games and a period in one night. Everybody was broken. I mean, I talked to somebody within the Canes organization who was talking about hips were shot. They couldn't walk. You notice they didn't skate the next day or Saturday. There was no pregame skate. They gave Ronta the, the time to essentially work up a sweat, right? And then put Bobrovsky out there. And they come out with their ass on fire, the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, I love they the domin- They, they the dominated that, that period. And they had one goal to show for it. And this gets into the whole breaks of hockey or conversation we had with Ron Rod Brindamore last week about the organized chaos and taking advantage of it. You look at that Drury goal that wasn't because you're what? A half a second too soon on a play, right? And it goes off sides. You talk about the game winner with Chuck. I'm not disagreeing with you that their elite level players took care of business when it was time to take care of business when they had the opportunity. But how did that opportunity present itself? when Slavin's stick literally gets stuck in the skate of Brett Burns, right? And it just leaves things open there in overtime for the Panthers to take advantage. So I'm not, I'm coming at this from a perspective of the the Canes had an opportunity to bury this team at home after a game that could have broken anyway because of the multiple overtimes. 
and Bobrovsky almost broke the canes in return. It's that final boss where you think, I got you. And all of a sudden they come up. It's like, it's like punch out. You know, you're like, oh, okay, he's down for the count. You played punch out. Now I finally found a game that you can relate to. It's like punch out. You got, you got, I don't know who, King Hippo. Actually, I know how to beat King Hippo, so that's the wrong response. Soda Popinski, you think you got him knocked out, and you got Mario coming out going, one, two, three, four, and then he makes a move up, and he gets up, and you're like, damn it, I thought I beat you. And that's Bobrovsky. And I think in return, the way the Canes played the second period on Saturday night was a direct result of we played our ass off. We should be up 2 nothing. It was one nothing, and the margin for error from there went in the Panthers' way. It, and, and that's why I'm not all that – the resiliency we talk about, I'm not all that concerned going forward. And, and Rod Brindamore also doesn't seem all that concerned. He was asked about making some changes after dropping down 0-2, but he's liked the way they play. When your team has lost two games like this, but has played well enough to win both of those games, how do you approach that as a coach? Do you tell them just keep at it and we'll get our wins, or do you have to change things? Uh, both. <laughs> both. I mean, you certainly don't want to change the, the some of the stuff, but you have to find a way to get it in the net. I mean, that's the end of the day. So, I mean, there's obviously things we can be better at, um, but you don't want to be, you, you got to, like you said, your first statement is it was good enough to win too, and it was. I mean, could have easily gone that way. And if we'd want to, you wouldn't even be asking me that question. So you have to be careful not to try to blow everything up and think that, oh, it's, you know, it's not working. Um, but we do obviously, we, you know, we'll tweak things here and there, but we come this far, we're not going to be, you know, suddenly changing our game. So that's Rob Brittimore heading into the night's game uh, with the Canes down 0-2. Right, final thoughts, Joe? What you got? I, I fear you're missing the forest from the trees here. Okay. Um, Matthew Kachuk, just this season, in a, in, a, in a season that was an adjustment, remember they they made a, a, a seismic trade in the offseason after winning yeah. the President's Trophy for salary cap reasons and contract reasons. Kachuk scored 40 goals this year at 109 points, Okay. I like to call those kind of players hammer, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't love fantasy football, but in fantasy football, I think you win when you have a hammer. Like there's got to be somebody you put in your lineup and you go, I know what I'm getting. And I, it, it can't be 10 points. It better be 25 points this week. Sure. And I look at just a one year of Kachuk and also Verhage had 42 goals this year. Sebastian Ajo's career high is 38 goals. Now that was a truncated season. So it does suggest that he, he has the ability to get to that 40 mark. His career high in points is 87 points. Mm -hmm. He is at the top of their salary cap. So the player at the top of your salary cap has to be a hammer. And I'm looking at this, and Rod said it. When you give elite players room and give them space, they finish. And right now, and this is a five-year set of, of, of data we're looking at now, and, and even circumstantial evidence, right? Uh, he had the unbelievable goal in the bubble around D'Angelo. Yeah. Remember that one? And you're going, okay, this guy is a hammer. He has the unbelievable goal in game six, knocks it off of his face, scores when they're down one in the third period. You have to freaking have it. Okay. But those are two moments in five years. Kachuk's had two moments in two games. Do mm -hmm. you see what I'm saying here? That's what you're saying. So that's where I'm having the existential crisis for the Carolina Hurricanes after two games. You are absolutely right in that these two games could have gone, literally could have gone either way. Anyway. You are absolutely right that Bob has been just sublime. Okay, he's, he's like saving his his like 
I, I forgot what the stat was, but it's something like goals against expected or whatever. <laughs> right. He's like at 13. Yeah. He's making 13 more saves than he should. It's it's nuts what he's doing right now. He has been ridiculous, but in my opinion, the Canes have been they. In my opinion, the goaltending's been a draw. Okay, okay, that's just my opinion. Yeah, but when I'm looking at how again how the goals are scored, the Canes score on a five on three in game one. That was basically the only way they could get a goal and had to right? have it right. And then they had an amazing passing sequence where they fooled Bobrovsky. Mm-hmm. That's skill. Uh, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, and then they've had a deflection from a defenseman, which this season is the, these playoffs have been a whole lot of deflect. And that there's nothing wrong with scoring that way. They count the same. Right. Mm-hmm. But then you turn on the tape and you look at Barkov's goals and you're like, who is that? What is this sorcery? <laughs> I got you. Right. I got you. I got so you. to me, that's how I'm looking at this. Mm-hmm. Could they, they absolutely could win game three. They absolutely could win game four. I'm just looking at this slightly deflated from, Thursday night in a four uh, was it they almost got the five a four and 99 percent of a overtime game and I thought the way that they came back in game two really showed who they are and they are a resilient group it it, it truly is a, a testament to Rod the way that they played in game two but I just think at some point you have to look at did yes we've built a pretty good mousetrap but did we build the mousetrap the wrong way hmm or in a way, Con- continue, continue yeah. your point. I, I I was premature on the housekeeping. Well, what you know, you I'm a, it's like an Oscar speech. You're fine. No, it, it's just did you build it in a way that you can't win the cup? Yeah. And, and I think you and I are in total agreement now at this point with the Carolina Hurricanes. The goal is to win the cup. It's not yeah. just to be nice and show up in the playoffs. So, hey, to and be it, fair, to to be fair, I I did a podcast with uh, with the Storm Cellar crew yesterday, and uh, one of the hosts had mentioned something about house money. He felt like both teams were playing with house money or whatever, and I disagreed. The, the Panthers were playing with house money. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are where they expected to be. The, to me, the expectation for this season was to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and then see what happens. And with the injuries and everything that happened this oh, year, amazing, they still get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And in a way, I feel like they did meet the expectation. Getting to the Stanley Cup is hard. We talk about this all the time in the NCAA tournament. Winning the whole thing is hard. You just got to put yourself in position to do it. They did. And you see where the margin for error on a hot team has really come through. Housekeeping. Now a proper housekeeping. Uh, shout out to our friends over at Breaking Tea. Uh, we have knocked out a arrangement where we can now sell T-shirts, Joe. And there's been a lot of conversations about ratings. Uh, we're seeing this in the NBA, too, about a potential Denver-Miami Heat Ooh. finals. And people are like, oh, my goodness, the ratings going to be terrible. Do you like basketball? Why don't you want to watch Jimmy Butler and Jokic go head-to-head? If last time I checked, if you care about basketball, then you don't care who the teams are. You just want to see your best players. It's kind of my, my argument with hockey as well. Anyway. We got this bat as a as a way to stick it to the to the traditionalists. We got this shirt, bad for ratings. Uh, you can go to breakingtea.com slash OG to buy the shirt. You can get a hoodie, there's a women's cut, there's like the basic unisex cut here. We got there's all sorts of cut because breaking tea does an awesome job. So shout out to them. Uh we, we're gonna be at a golf tournament next week, Joe. And we we're getting close on the Jenga, right? We are. We have golf, uh, the UNC Health Championship. That is Wednesday, May 31st. That is the day of their pro-am. We will be out there, do the show from there. 
they're always looking for volunteers. They're also selling tickets. You can go check them out at UNCHealthChampionship.com. It's a Corn Ferry Tour event. It's at Raleigh Country Club this year, downtown Raleigh, over there off of New Bern Avenue, over by Edlo, your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. So uh, I can't wait to see played the course last week. It's an unbelievable shape. These guys are going to just absolutely murder this Donald Ross setup. Uh, and we just saw a Donald Ross setup fight back at the best players in the world in the PGA Championship. So uh, really looking forward to the UNC Health Championship down at Raleigh Country Club. Would the folks at the uh, Raleigh Country Club mind if I bring my little Smoky Joe grill? Would they mind that? Like if I, I just post if I just posted up somewhere and you know had a bag from Butcher's Market and I was like, all right, I'm just going to grill right here while taking in golf. Would they have a problem with that? They would not. They would not. And you'd okay, be good. a smart man because the Butcher's Market they got six locations: Raleigh, Cary, Wake Forest, Holly Springs, even Wilmington. I feel like our reach in Wilmington right now is tremendous. Um, yes. Not only can you make stuff on the grill, Joe, I feel like my eyes were closed all of these years. They are now finally open. They make sandwiches yeah. there. They have yeah. horsehead, you know, deli meats, but also they have hot sandwiches. Go figure. Their steak and cheese is off the freaking charts. Check them out at thebutchersmarkets.com. Yes. I, uh, I, I, I kind of find it funny that you never just, you never knew that they had um, sandwiches before. Now, speaking of Wilmington, I, all, I always bought the meat and, and bought it home and cooked it. That's fine. That's, what I That's did. fine. That's fine. Speaking of Wilmington, uh, it's actually one of the hottest areas in not just the state, but in the country when it comes to entrepreneurship and startups. And we talked to Jim Roberts last week, who heads up Network for Entrepreneurs in Wilmington. You can check them out online at newilm.com to find out about all the startups that have come through that have had successful exits, uh, including our friend over at breaking tea he's based in bloomington they're entrepreneurs they're helping us out with those t-shirts uh you've also had things like untapped uh, which i used way back in the day they had festivals and everything else a way to check in beers and whatnot so if you're interested in just kind of getting things started up check out newilm.com to find out more and find out how wilmington is one of the great spots in the state to get things done yeah, it's an independent nonprofit. They help entrepreneurs with sales and marketing, mentor options, investor pitch training. NEW, where the river of innovation meets an ocean of possibilities. What's up next? What's up next? The golfers golfed and Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship. That's what, his fifth major? His third PGA Championship title. But... If me, the casual golf fan, didn't know any better, I would have thought Michael Block, a PGA pro, a club pro uh, at a golf course in California. I think Mission Viejo is the uh, is the golf course that he's at. I would have thought he won or finished in the top three or something like that. No, he finished in the top 15. He had a hole in one. Now, Joe, you got to explain to me like I'm five. Is mm-hmm. Michael Block the story because it really truly is a feel good story or is Michael block the story because Brooks Kepka is Brooks Kepka and there's the live golf aspect of it. And after he came up short at the masters, he followed through here and now we can relitigate the whole live golf thing again, because one of their guys won a major championship, which one is it? Uh, I, I don't think it's the second, but color me an optimist. Uh, but I also okay. think you might be off on the first one. It's not necessarily a 
feel good story. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is purely a every person like me, middle aged white guy who loves golf, <laughs> dreams, dreams. Okay. Not only of being on the PGA Tour, then you think, man, you know, you're out here. I've played three rounds in like the last two days. Okay. Yeah, so you're out here and you're going, man, I could do it. I could do it. I could do it. And then you realize when you, I played with Brad Frisch last week, who used to be on the PGA Tour, and he shot a 68 at RCC. And I'm like, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. I'll never do it. I'll never be that good. But then you think to yourself, you know what I could do? I could become a PGA teaching pro like sure. Michael Block. So sure. here's a guy with the dream job out in California. He's a PGA pro mm -hmm. teaching golf, right? Living on the course, basically, hits a few balls, teaches a few kids, teaches a few people like me, and makes a living. Unbelievable in the way that the PGA is set up the championship. I think there's 20 guys who get a chance to play. 20 this. guys, yeah. 20, 20 guys made it. They He's the qualify. only one who they made the qualify through their own qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're now you're like, wait, now wouldn't it be cool if, you know, we've seen this with an amateur before, but wouldn't it be cool if the PGA pro was out there? And, and, you know, we even heard this at the beginning of the week when some people were like, man, uh, a, a, a golfer that's a scratch, has a scratch handicap, would shoot 120 out here. They wouldn't be able to finish certain holes. And people like me bristle, mm -hmm. who love golf, bristle yeah. at that, right? Because I think I've said this to you before. The beauty of golf is I can't be LeBron James. I can't be Michael Jordan. I can't do any of the things that they do. But man, for one minute on one shot or one putt or one chip in, man, I am John Rahm. I am Scotty Scheffler. I can do the things that those guys do. And so that's the beauty of golf. You can't do it all the time like they do, but you can delude yourself into thinking, man, when I turn 50, I'm on this. I'm, I'm making that senior tour. Like every guy like me thinks, man, I'm going to make the senior tour. So that is the story there. This is purely like, fantasy football fantasy land what would happen and for him to shoot par i think the first two days right yeah well, he uh, shot a 70 it was basically 70 70 70 71 and that included yeah, so, so par was 70 this week he shot three rounds of par yeah. at a course where even the pros the best players in the world were struggling i will say one thing uh before we move on you and I have talked about before in majors, when they are super tough, that introduces the possibility of a Phil Mickelson, of an sure. older player, of a sure. Tiger Woods, as I've said to you before. Because the low, the, the, those scores in the single digits, a guy like Michael Block can compete. A guy like Phil Mickelson can compete. A guy like Tiger Woods, when healthy, can compete. When these guys go and tear some course up at minus 28, that's when you'll never see a normal jabroni compete. But when you get, when it's super hard and super tough like that, that's when you give somebody like that a chance to have a story like Michael Block had this weekend. Yeah, Block. And for, the, and for the live thing, by the way, yeah, you know, Brooks has kind of downplayed it a little bit. I know DeChambeau was kind of uh, pumping his chest a little bit. These guys are really good. I mean, no, ma no matter how you look at it, they made oh. a money grab. They did their it, thing. Well, the funny thing about I kind of feel like we have live fatigue, don't we? Well, and, and that's the, that that's that, that's actually the point that I was going to make. Kepka kind of gave the game away in uh, press availability, where he talked about his injuries. I, I think he was pretty much of the thought that maybe he was done. And he was going to cash out, and because uh, again, 
Kepka's gone through it the last four years, and there's a whole list of issues that are going on. And if you're looking at it like, I can't compete at the level that I think it can compete, which is I want to win majors, well, then what's your next best option? And Liv provided that option to cash out. So I didn't necessarily, I don't necessarily blame these guys for taking the money. I just, it was always in the way that they they positioned it. So I do think there's a little bit of live fatigue. That's why I don't think it's much of a story come out of this. I think only in hardcore golf circles are people looking at this as one is positioned against the other. Coming out of this weekend, I don't think anybody's really talking about it. But it was curious to me to look at the PGA Twitter account, and they had two tweets about Kepka winning, and then 50 about Michael Block. You tell me what that looks like, Joe. I'm just saying. I'm into those kind of perceptions. Now, we'll close on this. Block makes $288,000. He gets a spotted next year's PGA Championship, and then he got invited to the Charles Schwab Challenge and the RBC Canadian Open in June. So again, pretty, everyone's live, fantasy, man. <laughs> living the dream. Next topic, please. Time to talk to our old friend, John Forslund, play-by-play for the Kraken. And he is now doing radio for the Eastern Conference Finals with the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. He's down in Sunrise right now. John, what's going on, man? Uh, it's cold in here. I'll tell you that. Well, that's good for that's hot. It. That's it's good hot out there. It's cold in here. It's all good. Okay. Yeah. Speaking well, speaking of hot, Bobrovsky mm. is hot. He yeah. it's so hot that he might be melting the ice. He's certainly melting the brains of the Carolina Hurricanes right now. They couldn't break him in four overtimes. They couldn't necessarily break him on Saturday night. And now they found themselves 0-2 in the series, John. I mean, I know it's oversimplification to say that Bobrovsky and goaltending has been the difference. But he's been outstanding throughout the entire playoffs. Goaltending, Joe, is always the difference. I don't care if it's 1920 or 2023 or whether we have analytics or all kinds of numbers that support how teams play. In hockey, with the randomness that exists in hockey, the one defining line is the goalie. So you can control the game in all aspects and have a ton of shots and quality chances, the old high danger chances if the goalie's on his game. And the thing about it here is, you know, is Sergei Bobrovsky hot or is Sergei Bobrovsky that good? Hmm. I mean, his resume will suggest that he's that good. So he's an elite goalie. That's kind of been on this roller coaster over the last couple of seasons. But this season was able to right his ship. He was ill and injured at the end of the year, which forced uh, Paul Maurice to make a change and go with a young kid, Alex Lyon, which put them in a position to at least compete for a playoff spot. But now since Bob has taken over, he is the difference. He's the difference in, in every game. And whoever decides to play tonight for the Hurricanes will have to match that. John, your your hockey knowledge is like unmatched. I was in awe in game one. Here we are four overtimes. I'm ready to pass out on press row there. And I hear your voice behind me. And I'm like, how in the world? And I get it. You're not playing. I, I get that part of it. But I'm yeah, sitting here, thank God. How, the hell, how the hell is he doing this? Like, I'm ready to yeah. fall asleep. And, I don't know. And I get it. You've called the Canes games before. I'm not, I'm not trying to say you haven't. But I'm sitting here going, how does he know these names the way that he knows these names? How is he not missing a beat? A, a masterful performance by you. Uh, I would like to start by saying that. It was a nice treat to hear your voice like an angel over my shoulder. Uh, Thank you. But, but, I agree. I agree with Joe. It was, it was, like, it was, ah, this is so, it's so soothing. <laughs> it's very familiar to me. Uh, I just needed like a warm cookie and a picture of my nana. Like it was like, oh, 
oh, okay. <laughs> this is very nice. Um, but your your knowledge of hockey really is, is unbelievable. So I'm asking you this question. Can you remember another example of a team trading their best player, for obviously for, for contract reasons with Huberto, and getting a guy back in Kachuk? And I know it didn't work right away. I know it didn't fit right away because this was a team that won the President's Trophy last year. But could you remember, is there another, anything that's analogous to this that's happened where, you know, a guy like Paul Maurice makes the pieces work and, and, and it's just, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I, I don't. It's a, and thank you for all of that. And my wife will tell you that's the only thing I do right. So just call the game. <laughs> so anyway, so that's good. Um, no, I don't remember a, a trade like this, elite for elite. Uh, record-setting forward in terms of assists, top score, Huberto, off he goes. Really good piece in the back end, Mackenzie Weger, right-handed shot. Brandon Montour has sailed right by him and has taken over that role in this team. But Matthew Kachuk, you know, he's a finalist, as you know, for the Hart Trophy as the MVP. Remarkable. Added a, a dimension that they probably needed. I mean, I had them in the playoffs last year. I had them in the first round against Washington. I called the sweep by Tampa Bay over Florida. And when we left Tampa, Florida looked like a train wreck. They had some off-ice issues the night before game four. They had the coaching change. You know, someone was going to take the blame for that. They want to establish a better culture. And by doing that, they made a coaching change and brought in, in essence, Matthew Kachuk to kind of change their dynamic from a really good, uh, East-West um, skilled team with not a lot of grit, not a lot of bite, a little bit, but not a lot, uh, to a guy who brings in a dynamic that is all of that, plus he's one of the best pests in the National Hockey League. He's right there with Marshan, the way he plays. He'll, her, her, he will curtail most of that in the playoffs and not go there. But, um, you know, it's, it's great to watch. So, no, I don't recall because you're talking about a hockey trade. You know, this yeah. was this wasn't the peddling of a potential free agent or money situation, and you're getting futures in return. This was player for player. You know, this was you know take this guy off our hands. They had to resign Huberto. Calgary did all that. Same with Uyghur, but so did Florida. Florida had to resign Kachuk, gave him a big ticket, and uh, he's the face of their franchise now. And it's a it's a great face. It looks good on him. John Forslund. Play-by-play for the Seattle Kraken, former Carolina Hurricanes. Play-by-play, he's doing radio uh, for this call between the Panthers and the Hurricanes, and he's joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. All right, John, I do want to tap into, and I was was very excited to see you up in the building, and I wanted to tap into your Canes history here because play. we've seen instances where the Hurricanes have broken teams in the playoffs. I mean, everybody can remember Montreal, right? the Molson miracle and everything else, but we've also seen it on the flip side and it was related to extended overtimes. We saw this in 02 uh, with the Detroit Red Wings in the cup. And if the Canes just take care of business there, who knows how things are. You and I have had this conversation. Like how does that series go if they actually win that overtime? And I feel like the Canes might be on that end of the spectrum after what happened at PNC arena the last two nights. I felt like, the Canes felt confident coming out of a four overtime loss that they could try to take advantage of a tired Florida team and potentially tired Bobrovsky. 
and they absolutely dominated in that first period, and they still only came away with one goal after the one other goal was taken off because of offsides. And then they lose in overtime again. I know it's a resilient group, but we've seen series changing moments like this for the Canes, both good and bad. How do you kind of how do you, how do you kind of see this going forward for them after what can easily be a completely deflating way to lose again? See, I read the first period differently, and I'll okay. tell I'll tell you I'll tell you why. Um, the shot volume was obvious, right? The shot volume in that building is all, and I said it on the air. I've spent enough time in that arena. <laughs> And I, I will defy that shot clock. I'll go to war for Cam Ward. He used to complain about <laughs> shot clocks over and over again. Um, so, but the Hurricanes, to their credit, that's their style. Yeah. They, they, they flood shots. They go high volume with shots. To me, if they're going to get better in this series, they need to be on the inside of the ice more in the slot. If you're going to go one and done from 30 feet out on Bob, forget it. So you're going to have to get in there uh, and, and be able to get the inside track on some of these D, Ekblad, Mark Stahl, Gudis. These guys are strong. Uh, they box out well. Canes are going to have to be better in, in the house, in the interior of the ice. But what happened was, as the period went along, it's one nothing Hurricanes. I'm working with Jimmy Fox. He's doing a great job for us on Sports USA. We look at each other and I say, if I'm Florida, I kind of like the period. Okay? And I forget what the shots were. 20 to 20 to 8 officially, the board at 20 20 to 11. Um, So then we got the laptop out and we looked up uh, the analytics, which I'm not a big fan of, but I do use them a lot because I think it supports eye test, right? In the old days, we'd say, well, this is a good game. Somebody would say, why? And you'd say, well, because I told you it's a good game. You know, there was nothing to support. That's the beauty of analytics today. We have information. So we flop it open here and we, we look at the analytics and, High dangers were 9-4 Florida in the first period. All the possession time started to tilt towards the Panthers, I'd say from the 10-minute mark on in the first period. So I think they went to their room confident. I think Paul Maurice just had to say, boys, a little bit more, but not much. We're okay. Mm -hmm. You would think playing in Raleigh with that crowd and the four overtimes as you laid out, and if you look at the shots and you're just reading the box score, you would say, wow, Bobrovsky's best player in the game. And he was, he was, he was good, but he didn't have to get to that stealing nature of his game, I think, until later. So I think Florida has really done well in the, all the periods that we've seen. And we're playing game three tonight, but this is like game four in terms of periods, right? So there's been a lot of hockey played here. And I, I, I think it's close. It's obviously close. Both mm-hmm. games went to overtime. But I do think Florida right now has a big edge for me in terms of how they're playing. And even though you hear Rod talk about one shot and game of inches and anything's possible, he's right. Jarvis hits the empty net and uh, the other night hits the crossbar flush. I mean, we're probably in a different narrative right now. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. This is where we're at. And I, I think the Canes have a step. They have to take a step as a team mm-hmm. to get there. And if they don't, then they're going to have if, – if they have the worst-case scenario in this series, for me, that's got to be addressed because that's been an issue with this team for the last few years as far as I'm concerned. John Forslund, play-by-play Seattle Kraken, former Carolina Hurricanes play-by-play, joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. About, about Paul Maurice, I, I do feel – and I said this when the, when the series was set between the Panthers and the Canes – 
that you couldn't have asked for a better 25th anniversary, you know, as all the history and everybody kind of reminiscing, you couldn't ask for a better setup in the finals because of the players on the other side, you know, with Eric Stahl and obviously Paul Maurice and his relationship with all three, two, two former captains and whatnot. But as I think it was finally Brendan Moore, I want to say it was with TSN finally gave a little bit more insight as to what that relationship is. And I, and I preface this job by saying, look, you do this long enough, you're going to have a history with just about everybody. And hockey is a very, very small community at the end of the day. Um, and obviously, they're both successful in their own different ways. But I, I, I kind of got the sense that there are still some unresolved issues from Rod's end here at Carolina as a player and Paul Maurice's position in that end. Is, is that is that yeah. fair? That's really fair. It's It was hard to watch then. It's interesting to look back at it now. Mm-hmm. Um, only the, the two of them really know exactly what happened. But I was around it enough to remember. I remember when he was healthy scratched in Pittsburgh. And we walked back to the hotel after the morning skate. And we watched the line rushes. And 17 wasn't part of it. Then we watched him stay out. And I stayed an extra bit of time to see who was going to skate extra with the assistant coaches. And it was Rod Brindamore. And everything was hush-hush. And uh, we had to make sure that there wasn't an injury or something going on with him. And it wasn't. So that was tough. And he then came back into the lineup. And I don't exactly recall what happened after that. But I do know that players never forget those things. I mean, I work with a guy on a regular basis in Eddie Olchek that'll tell you 18,000 Mike Keenan stories from his <laughs> brief time with the New York Rangers. And... Uh, and Eddie had an outstanding NHL career, as you know, but they don't forget those. They, they, they have sometimes they can recall the great moments and sometimes that's fuzzier than the tough times. The tough times they never forget. So we all go through it. We all have situations in our career where you feel like, well, wait a minute, I'm getting the short end of the stick here. At some point, you have to put those feelings away and, uh, and carry on. And both guys did here. Um, I think Paul was in a tough spot. Uh, Jim Rutherford wanted to move on from Rod and Rod wasn't, Rod was going to have to be dragged out of that room. So Eric's contract was coming around the corner and uh, he needed a big ticket to support the big ticket. The it's always been the case. They did it in Pittsburgh with Crosby. They gave him the captaincy when he was basically a teenager because they knew he'd be the best player. So they were trying to force Eric into another step. And, and I felt at the time, and I said it, they were force-feeding the captaincy on Eric Stahl. They did. But in order to do that, you had to do something with Rod Brindamore. Really unfortunate, but that's the nature of pro sports, and uh, that's how things evolve. John Forslund joining us here on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. And, and it's funny, John, uh, all great points there. But – I'm watching the NBA playoffs and they have this tendency to think, oh, what what does coaching matter, right? And then you look at the Celtics and you're like, oh my gosh, it matters a whole lot. (laughs) And then you think about hockey and even Rod said to us before the series, as a player, he was like, what does coaching matter, right? Like, you got to put your best players in the right spot and get them out there and get the right lineup combos. Uh, But on both sides here, if you want, you know, Rod, obviously the culture that he has developed here has been amazing. And Mo has been obviously a little bit more nomadic uh, in mm-hmm. different spots, and he's had success in different spots. And, of course, when, when you have the kind of personality that he does, it kind of grinds out a little bit. 
But uh, if you want to start with Rod and just it's, it feels like everything he's done is right, uh, including, you know, having the team be able to re- recover from these injuries here at the end of the season. And then maybe a little bit on Mo in, in a difficult situation that he's kind of gone into and maybe whatever buttons he had to push just to get this team into the bracket. Yeah, in most cases, he had to have Matt Kachuk's dad call into a sports radio show in Toronto. See the power that you guys have? He had to call in the morning uh, and basically call the team soft and getting what they deserve in all of this. I remember I was in Seattle. It was an off, off day, and I was watching uh, that game specifically. As I watched it from start to finish, and it wasn't going the way the Panthers and most snapped on the bench. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when he snaps – it gets the attention, you know, and I think that's the key for all coaches, you know, where's the attention point? Um, Because there's always a a meeting after the meeting, a coach has a meeting and then the coach leaves the room and then the players have the meeting and the players either say that guy is, you know, out there where the buses don't run, we're going to do this, or he made a really good point. Let's do this. When most snaps, he doesn't always snap. Right. So there's like, wow, what's happening here? And whatever he said, I know he went in the direction of Matthew Kachuk and gave him an earful too. And so when you're when a, a player's dad, who's a who's a great player, calls a sports talk show in Toronto in the morning of the game and says my son's team is soft, I think I did that when my boy Matthew was like 13 playing AAA hockey in Raleigh. I might have done that. Um, we all have our weak moments, um, but certainly not at this level, and not when you're Keith Kachuk. But it worked. And so with Mo, with, with Mo, I, I think he's always used his intelligence to figure out a way. He's changed a lot. I mean, when he coached the Hartford Whalers in 1995, I, I, I can't even, this is not even the same person. Like, so time changes for all of us and you have to evolve in your profession. He has. And so he's different. He'll tell you that. For Rod, I think what we always forget, I know you guys don't, but some people do, is like uh, Tom Dundon decided to go to Rod Brindamore and there was this great awakening and a great brilliant move and look at the great coach he's become. Well, he was an assistant for seven years. And in those seven years, he took good and bad from the two guys. Well, actually three guys because Mo brought him in first. Mm -hmm. Then there was Kirk Muller and then there was Bill Peters. And there's good stuff and flaws all over the map with all those people. And those teams were, were, were not very good, as we know. And I watched Rod do the work. And sometimes his voice was heard. And a lot of times he was over in the side of the coach's office. And sometimes his opinion wasn't even asked for. Okay. But in that time, he figured out, you know what? I want to make a run at this. And before he decided to tell Tom that he wanted to be the coach, he asked a bunch of us, you know, what do you think? And if you were one of those people, and I was, and I told him, I said, why are you asking me? He goes, just tell me what you think. I said, Roddy, I think you can do anything. And I also believe if you've never changed, you're going to be great. Because coaches do change. Some of these guys that coach in pro sports are not the same individuals they were when they were players. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they almost become the negative side of what they didn't like when they played, right? Well, Rod's never changed. All he's asked for is his kids to work exceptionally hard and believe in him and so when tom did that it was it was a stroke of genius it did work out great he did put him in a position without any head coaching experience i don't know if it was a position to fail because with this group he could only succeed 
Um, and, you know, he turned everything around and he adapted in his ways into a culture now that uh, you know, the Hurricanes can hang a hat on. So when you have identity as an organization, that's a good thing. And that's one thing I will say about the Hurricanes. They have identity now, but the only reason they have that is Rod Brindamore. The only reason. John Forslund, play-by-play, Seattle Kraken, former Carolina Hurricanes, play-by-play. You, you, you were talking about sports talk radio and people calling in. We'll close on this. I vaguely remember in my early days on 8.50 The Buzz, I want to say it was Primo's wife who called into Adam Gold's show because she was <laughs> mad with how the way things were being discussed. So she called. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. I think you're right. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's, awesome. oh it's great. Yeah, great. <laughs> now, now what people do is they call in a podcast. That's what we're going to do here going forward. All right, John, we appreciate it. It's good to see you up in the building. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to see you back in the building. This is not going to be a sweep. We'll see no. you back at PNC Arena this week, all right? Good luck with this. All the best to both of you. Thank you, John. We appreciate your help, man, and all the support. Uh, that's John Forslund on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, John is the best. Big, big, big fans of John on this program. I said it, Joe. They're going to be back. This is not going to be a sweep. So when you do go back to PNC Arena and you need some tailgate supplies, I highly suggest you hit the breeze through right there by PNC Arena, Joe. We were there uh, last week. They got a crowler machine. I, you know how many times I've been in that breeze through and I didn't realize they had a crowler machine because I'm usually just going for the water. I got to stay hydrated because we're doing show. We've been doing shows from PNC Arena. Uh, I'm not looking to just grab a beer on the way to go. But I know they have beer. I know they got snacks. They got plenty of stuff. I bought napkins there one time because we desperately, I had like allergies kicking in. So I, I needed something. So I bought napkins. But they got crowler machines there, Joe. That's insane. Yeah, you can get beer locally owned neighborhood store. It's 1200 Edwards Mill Road right there at Caddy Corner from the arena. Go check them out. Ice, beer, you name it. However, Joe, I am mm. here to vouch for the dark roast. Oh, dark roast coffee nice. hit the spot. And was the only reason I was half awake by the fourth <laughs> overtime on Thursday night. <laughs> Believe me, if I could have left the arena and got another dark roast coffee, I would have. And our friend Adam over at Breeze Through, and let me tell you, man, he, he knows he knows his coffee. He was worried. He was like, you got to tell me if this coffee's not good. I'm like, look, man, I will tell you. I promise I will tell you. Yeah, you that have opinions. It's a good cup of coffee. You have opinions on coffee. Adam's actually going to be a guest on the 919 Vice podcast this week. Talk about beer at that uh, at that spot. Speaking of things that I can vouch for, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority, Mosquito Authority coming out to my house throughout the summer to make sure that uh, the mosquitoes are kept to a minimum. I got like a full-on sanctuary in the backyard. I got a creek coming through. There's all sorts of weird moisture points. I know mosquitoes can breed in that, but Mosquito Authority comes through, takes care of it. Joe, I know Pest Authority has helped you out with some uh, some home issues as well. Oh, man, ants, termites, moisture in the crawl space, you name it. Go check them out at bugsbite.com. They're also on Twitter. It's no mosquito NC or old fashioned here, 919-807-1951. Give them a call. Seriously, whatever you think you have wrong, <laughs> and maybe even more in the case of the moisture <laughs> where they like they were there to treat the ants. And they said to me, um, do, you, do you have like water under your house? I'm like. I don't no. think so because no. uh, I have one of those crawl spaces that you can actually walk into. Yeah. And they, sure enough, they went down there and they're, they're looking around and they're like, uh, you got some problems here. I was like, okay. 
you got it. Help me out, please. So I'm I'm ready to declare the Carolina Panthers Super Bowl favorites. Are you, Joe? And it, um, Super and, Bowl favorites. Super Bowl favorites, and I know that they just had their little mini camp, their rookie mini camp. You know, Bryce. Like it's oh, I it's saw fun. Breathless tweets. I know it's funny to me. Professional throw. In in a way, in a way, I don't mind the move to what we're doing now. You know, no longer doing radio because I felt like every day on the radio we like had to talk about the Panthers, and you realize just by how the balls the NFL has you, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, the NFL schedule release. We all we knew who the Panthers were going to play this year. We just not the this. order. <laughs> just not the order, and they make a big deal about the order in which the schedule is played and that aside i do love that it's become kind of like a christmas day for creatives that are at these franchises it gives an opportunity for the panthers and other teams to flex their creative pr chops you know for instance the tennessee titans i thought won with the way they did like a tiktok style let's just have a man on a street type situation and get all the uh, get all the logos wrong Right. So it's like the Carolina Tigers, I believe, is what one of the one of the people on the street called it. I think the San Diego, I'm sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers did another anime thing. And you have to like play Easter egg spot the reference in all the ways that they throw shade on their opponents. But we're sitting here breathlessly talking about a schedule. Again, the NFL's got you by the balls. And then minicamp opens up. And to your point, this breathless, like, look, this is why he's franchised his QB first one. throw. Look at this. Look at oh my goodness. But I'm here to tell you that it's not about Bryce Young or Bryce, Bryce Young, that we're not sitting here talking about whether or not he's got a crisp ball, if he's connecting, if the coaches love him or any of that stuff. It's all about vibes, Joe. And you know what vibe oh. I picked up over this weekend? I you know do what not. vibe I picked up? I do not. Rihanna. Rihanna's on. She's in. Look at her. There's ASAP. But look at Rihanna. What's she wearing, Joe? What's she wearing? You see that? She's wearing a Panthers jersey. It's like some sort of like expansion. I was going to say, like, is it a Brad Hoover jersey? No, it's not she... a Brad Hoover. It's not a Brad Hoover. Oh, so is she's it 95? Wearing, it says 95, and on the back it says Panthers. 95 is when they played their inaugural okay. season. They were awarded the franchise in 1993 based on uh, the soda I drank recently. But they're partying in Tokyo. She's wearing this Panthers uniform. I'm thinking, look, if Rihanna's on board, Joe, if she's on board, then we're ready to go. I mean, you you want like here they already actually have the Super Bowl celebration screen. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They had uh, the uh, the riot reported pulled another video here, and look at this. She's already she's got confetti coming down. She's celebrating. <laughs> Does that not look like a Super Bowl celebration, Joe? It's like that's foreshadowing. <laughs> so for yeah, if you might be onto something. Anyway, we found football in a hopeless place. I'm very excited. I'm like, I, I don't want to go full Rihanna references the rest of the way, but I might. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm on board, Joe. I'm on board. That, anyway. That's all. That's a great reason. Never mind that their schedule is really easy. Never mind nope. that their division's terrible. Never nope. mind that the NFC is 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 fairly wide open. You don't need any of those logical reasons. Nope. No, I don't. No. No, I do not. We're moving on. Referenced it earlier in the podcast. We got the NBA playoffs. The Miami Heat seem to have broken the Boston Celtics. It gets to your point about coaching. And then the other side is time eventually catches up to you. And Nikola Jokic 
is the best player and he's showing you to be the best player. And it looks like as I've seen multiple uh, analysis stories in the LA times and some other basketball spots, uh, as I think as one, as one outlet put it, I think it was the Washington post, the bill is coming due for the Lakers uh, on a variety of levels. And it looks like we're going to get a Denver Miami heat finals matchup. And And I'll say this about the heat, Joe, let's not forget that they were like one Jimmy Butler three away from beating the Celtics last year. And it would have been the Heat going to the finals. All right? And I feel like there's a little bit of a, hey, 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 you were just fortunate. It was one shot. And the Miami Heat are putting the hammer down on the Celtics right now. I also think it's a consistency uh, with the way that the Celtics have been playing. The Celtics have been playing around with their food, and they've been fortunate to even get in this point. Let's not forget how they got here. They were on the brink against the Sixers. All right? And they finally got here, and I think that between Eric Spolster coaching, Jimmy Butler being all in right now, you're getting some things exposed in this conference finals matchup between the Heat and the Celtics. Well, I think this fits in with your vibes, right? The Let's go back to Alabama being the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Oh, you, you had a player involved in a murder case that you refused to discipline. How did that work out for you? Interesting. Uh, let's go to the Golden State Warriors. You're one of your best players punched your best young player to start the season in training camp. Hmm. How do you think that one's going to end? Now let's get to the Boston Celtics. And I'm mad at myself for having a Boston Celtics ticket because, <laughs> oh, the day before the season starts, we're going to fire the coach for uh, an inappropriate relationship with someone in the organization. Oh, how do you think that one's going to end? Yeah. The Celtics have been the betting favorite all year long, all year long, because they have the two best young players in basketball. And th- their coach, Joe Mazzula, the way that he started the year was commendable. Uh, they hit they hit some rocky spots there in February, and you're thinking, ah, it'll be all right. They're just kind of in that regular season lull. But now you're watching Eric Spolstra before our eyes finally get his flowers because you're watching these games and you're going, one of these teams is prepared and the other is not. The, and the, it's the team with the most talent that is not. And it's a stark, and I really want to make this about Spolstra and not about Missoula because it's not necessarily fair to Missoula as a first-time coach who didn't even know he was going to be the head coach this year. So he actually did pretty good work with, yeah. with given the circumstances. But what you're seeing with Spolstra really is a masterclass. On the other side of the river, it's interesting. Um, you know, we, we, we've talked about race before in sports, particularly since the pandemic. And it, it took a weird turn this year that um, Nikola Jokic had won the MVP two years in a row. Mm-hmm. And he was on a straw poll from ESPN of the voters, was headed towards being the third third year in a row MVP until Kendrick Perkins on ESPN basically said, I'm going to paraphrase here. I can't believe this white guy is going to win the MVP for the third year in a row. And and essentially said it's because he's white and the voters are voting for him on like some sort of Larry Bird exception rule. Right. And all of the sudden, Jokic, whose game didn't change, becomes, 
oh, well, no, it's Embiid is, is way better than he is. Mm-hmm. And there was like this tide. It was weird. I'm not saying Embiid's not an outstanding player. didn't have an outstanding season. But it was really odd how everything changed. And it was almost like the voters were shamed into voting for Embiid and not yeah. voting for Jokic based on the color of their skin. Mm-hmm. And Jokic didn't say a word about it. Jokic is Serbian, by the way. Uh, and again, I guess we can all be white where everyone's white is white. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I think what ends up happening great here... American, like great white hope story. No, 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 no. So what's... what, but to, to finish the point with Jokic, he didn't say a word about it. Yeah. Okay. But you're, what you're seeing right now, in my opinion, was a direct motivation by people saying, oh, you're not that good. You're sure. only winning because of the color of your skin. And it's like, oh, okay. I mean, look at his, look at, okay, counting stats. I get, I get it. It's not cool to consider counting stats. Mm-hmm. Uh, the triple double is not good enough for you. Okay. Uh, his team, his team's success. They are the number one seed in the West. Yeah. So again, I thought it was a bizarre twist on how we look at race relations in this country. I thought he was unjust. I don't know. Embiid, you can make the MVP case all you want. Giannis, to my opinion, should have been Giannis should have been the MVP. Well, see, because uh-huh. we do that, this crazy that, okay, thing. That's where, where we're we don't want to give the, the best player the MVP. That's where we get to the heart of the to issue. To me, right? I'm not. I'm honestly not all that interested in the first takeification of some of this stuff. Where it, and it uh, was on first take. I think it right, was on yeah. first take that this all happened, and it and it it blew up into this thing. And Kendrick, I don't know where. Do I think that that stuff plays in the back of somebody's mind? Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, all you have to do is just look at the news cycle to understand that race is usually playing a factor in a lot of different things. But I I do feel that the way it was discussed and the place it was discussed was not the best place to do it. But you just hit on the real heart of the issue. And I think that's where some of this was born out of them. When you have to do shows every day and you have to keep upping the takes to get to where you eventually get to it being about race is that you look at Jokic and the MVPs that he's winning. And then you wonder, well, why did LeBron only win X, right? How is Giannis not winning more when we all recognize he's the best player in the NBA? So we do this thing where it's in a way, it's kind of like what ends up happening with ACC coach voting, right? How is it that Roy Williams hasn't won or hadn't won an ACC coach of the year going all the way back to, I think, what, 05, I think it was? was Or Coach K hadn't done it since 2000. Meanwhile, Seth Greenberg had just as many ACC coach of the year awards as Coach K in the last 20. Like, that's where people tend to, like, overthink it because you don't want to give it to the obvious best player. So you start looking for other guys in different stories. And that's how we end up in this discussion, which then gets to my point about first take. And where somebody has to say something off the charts ridiculous to get the discourse going, while I think the discourse is stupid. Much like I think the discourse around the amount of money that you can get for a Victor Wembenyama card is absurd, Joe. Absurd. I still don't believe you that you're going to get like a million dollars if you get a Victor Wembenyama card. I do not believe you. Yeah, it has to be the right one, Joe. It has to okay. be uh, uh, their their number, their special cards. But I know this: uh, the Bowman Inception U set is available at Oak City Sports Cards. You can uh, go check them out at oakcitycards.com. Go check them out in downtown Raleigh, 
And yes, not only in the uh, Bowman Inception set is you can get an autograph Wembenyama, the French Mamba. There's also Caitlin Clark, the Iowa mm-hmm. star. Uh, hot collectible item right now. Buy, sell. Most importantly, with Weston down at Oak City Cards, you can get your cards graded. You might think you have a card that has value, but to get maximum value for that card, you have to get it graded. Weston can help you with that. Oak City Sports Cards. Check them out at oakcitycards.com. Now, Joe, if I do end up with this Victor Women Yama card and hmm. it's time to set up my retirement and redo my will, Whitaker and Hamer? Like I yes. come to them, I come to them and I say, Hey guys, I just cashed out. What do I do? I got to change some stuff up. Whitaker and Hamer can take care of that. Absolutely. Whitaker and Hamer, 20 years. They got offices in Raleigh, Garner, Clayton, Fuquay, Gastonia, Moorhead City, and Goldsboro. All of the G's. Check them out at wh.lawyer919-772-7000. Josh Whitaker, Joe Hamer. If you're starting a business, selling a business, Family law, custody, divorce, real estate closings, buying a house, you name it, they can handle it. Whitaker and Hamer. Again, it's wh.lawyer. Easy enough to find. I got you on those transitions, didn't I? I got you on those. Move on. Let's uh, go ahead and answer some Hey Joe questions, and then we will uh, get into a very special Ovias and Gilio golf polo investigation joe a golf polo investigation but hey joe brought to you by oakwood pizza box uh down in uh, downtown raleigh it was actually at oakwood pizza box on what day was it losing track of my days it was saturday yeah saturday ahead of the game uh dropped on by talked to anthony for a little bit had a wonderful pizza and then got home in time to start watching the eastern conference finals between the carolina hurricanes and the the Florida Panthers. I almost did Carolina Panthers again. Maybe I still got Rihanna on the brain. Man. <laughs> I still got Rihanna on the brain. I mean, it's easy to do, right? All right. From uh, X Puck Man, we know X Puck Man. Hashtag, hey, Joe, what's with the cheerleading by local TV news media towards the Canes? Wearing red and black, referring to the team as we, dinos like me, yearn for coverage I can count on without the pom poms. This is a. So this is an interesting phenomenon, Joe, that has been around the Canes for a while now. You and I both know somebody over at NC State or who used to work over at NC State, and he knows who he is, that would get annoyed this time of the year when we talked about the Canes because it was always positive. It was always like, let's put our arms around this team. It's not very critical. It's it's very optimistic all the time, and we're just happy to be here. I do think that that's changed over time, but ex-Puck Man's point still stands, Joe. Uh, there is a little bit of a, a little bit of a cheerleading aspect when it comes to Canes coverage, and I'm okay with that. Sure, you know how this works with this market. We had we have Duke, Carolina, and State, and I think most people stay agnostic when it comes to college sports. That's the effort that they put in, right? Yeah. But with the Canes, there's no need because who are you who are you going to irk? Yeah. The Capitals, the no. Atlanta Thrashers, like nobody. So I, I think there is something to that. You know, I'll just I'll just straight up say it here in the year of our Lord, 2023. The Kane success is good for us. Yes. <laughs> I'll yes. just say it, man. Of all the things that so, we need right now, that we, we, we need we the Canes. We freaking need the Canes to the point where I went out of my way the other day to Give thank content. Rod Brendamore. I was like, <laughs> thank you. Because he was like, oh, like, you know, like he, he found out the news and he's like, is there anything? You know, can I help? And I'm like. You already yeah. are. <laughs> Go to the cup. About it. <laughs> Go to the cup. Go to the cup. Speaking of winning a bunch, uh, from John 
Uh, can we get a shout out to UNC women's tennis for winning the national championship last night against NC State? First in program history. Uh, this goes beyond just what the tennis team did. I think it goes to how North Carolina has been absolutely dominant in the non-revenue sports as of late. It's pretty crazy what they've done. Uh, our friend Brian Ives, Joe, over at uh, the ACC Network, the ESPN, had put this stat together. North Carolina, North Carolina wins its 49th NCAA championship across eight different sports, 17 more than any other ACC school. In fact, Tar Heels women's teams have won 36 NCAA titles more than any other ACC's entire athletic department. That is ridiculous. Yeah, and Virginia just won the men's title. Yeah. So I know, I think it's seven different each uh, for those two schools over the last uh, 12 years now. That's an amazing track record at Carolina. At first, I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait a second, are football and baseball the only programs that they have that haven't won a national championship? Because every other sport, it's really, truly amazing. Uh, it does get you back to the to the big, larger question, though. Like, what do you care about, right, in college mm-hmm. sports? We've seen this a little bit when NC State was down in the dumps uh, in, in recent times. Where, oh, But women's basketball, but wrestling, Joe, but cross country. And State fans like, didn't care. State fans yeah, didn't yeah. care. It's like, no, 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 no. We, we want men's basketball to go win an ACC right. title. Right. Uh, and no, I, I think there's, there's room yeah. under the tent for both parties, of right? Course. Of like, course. Like, hey, you want to celebrate all of the different success that your school has had? You absolutely should. I don't think, though, that you should equate uh, a title in women's tennis to one in, in, in the revenue sports. All right. To Welchy, which is the bigger problem for the Canes? Goal scoring or defense i think this one's easy it's goal scoring right now you you, you need your best players the old uh, the old sydney low you need your best players to be your best players i think the defense has actually been good for the most part you just understand that the margin for error is really really thin in this series and it doesn't help in overtime to have your stick stuck in your teammates skate opening things up for kachuk to point to the door and walk out i'm not gonna lie you know i hate it for the canes but Kachuk just being like, we that scored. That was a boss move. That's such a ball. Oh, my goodness. It was such an incredible just like, yep, door, let's go. Off the ice. Boom. Let's do this. Yeah, he's made it two games in a row with that type. And I appreciate that. You're like, yep, business is over. Let's go. Right, let's go. It's we'll time see. to go home. Yeah, but I do I do think it's goal scoring at this point, uh, which ties back to our earlier conversation. From Kaniac Annie. Hey, Joe, love the new podcast. Thank you, Annie. To why do people give up so easily on their favorite team? I've watched this team for years, and they always bounce back. I believe in this comeback. Uh, and I just think that the internet is a place that people like to go and complain. I mean, honestly, it's where you put your, you know, when you're mad about something, you go and complain. Uh, it's why when we want you to rate this, we we want positive vibes only. We want five stars only because it's really easy to get on Yelp or a, a comment thread and just complain about everything so we don't want that we don't want that and i'm, I'm kind of positive vibes with the canes here even though they're down oh two uh, i think she hit the nail on the head there because i'm the same way i'm not i'm not ready like, i'm not ready to give up on them I'm, I'm just like resigned to this this skill thing that's been bothering me since game one yeah and just kind of hammered home in game two because i'm with you i thought the way that they came out after such a gut punch was really inspiring the way that Ranta comes in and plays really inspiring. And then again, you just look at who's scoring the goals for the, for Florida and you're like, 
Uh, it's like, uh, <laughs> and forget yeah. Barkov with the with the amazing ridiculous move. It's just kind of like, oh, okay. You know, I said before this series started, Florida is following the oldest formula there is. Their best players are their best players, and their goalie is just scorching yeah. molten hot. All right, to Sean, who is not very optimistic. Hey, Joe, shout out to all those people who thought the Canes' scoring issues were over after playing two minor league goalies in New Jersey. We like our group is going to doom us again. People forget 06 when they went out and got Recky and Wape. Well, we've had, we've, Sean, again, appreciate the, uh, the Hey Joe question. We've relitigated that a bunch, uh, and I brought it up uh, a lot, and I've been kind of gently reminded in context about those moves in 06. And I will say that it's tough for me to bang and this is coming from somebody who wanted the Canes to make a move when they had 10 million dollars in cap space right but I'm, I'm gonna own that but I'm also gonna look at the results and the Canes and their group and their depth has paid off to get them to the Eastern Conference final you know who's not in the Eastern Conference final the team that went out and added Timo Meyer, the the Rangers who added all these pieces to show that they were all in out in the West too a lot of the big moves that were done have not resulted in success getting to the conference finals so I can't sit here and slam the Canes for not making a move when the we believe in our group actually did pay off while others have a bill due for the moves that they made. All right, Joe, are you ready for a polo investigation? Yes. Okay. We're going to close on this. Last week, we, did, we got caught up in Kane stuff. We didn't really have time to really get into this sort of thing. But last week, there was a traffic accident on I-40 on the way to Asheville. And somebody sent Matt Jones over at Kentucky Sports Radio a picture of another person stuck in traffic with him. And look at this. It's Roy. You see that? You see it's Roy? You got your glasses on now, Joe? Got your glasses on? Might want to I do. All right. Yep. Now, I'm going to zoom in some more. I'm going to zoom in some more. I can't enhance it any further than this. But it's a yellow golf polo, Joe. And he's headed to Asheville where we know Roy hangs out and he, go, and he plays golf. Do you know what course that is? Can you tell from this? What's he repping? I, I can't tell from, from that angle. You know that he has so many shirts. And you know he probably shot a 77 in that shirt, which is why <laughs> it was taken out of the closet. So... <laughs> This might require a phone call to coach to yeah. uh, clear this up for us. But yeah, you know, I know he probably had a really good round in that shirt. That I'm, I'm confident. You're, in. you're confident. You're confident. That the fact that he's wearing it tells you that he had a really good experience wherever it was. Okay. <laughs> otherwise, yes. otherwise, that thing gets retired and we're never talking about Gone. it again. <laughs> Anyway, I saw that photo last week, and I meant to uh, to get to it. I thought if anybody would know and identify a golf polo logo, it would be you. But yes, I think that might necessitate a text or a call to Roy to see uh, to yeah. say, hey, 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 when you were stuck in traffic and you went viral, what was that? And you know, he's not wearing a polo, one of these super secret golf clubs. He's a, he's a part of right. There's like two golf Probably clubs you can't talk about. They're like Fight right. Club. Do not talk about these golf clubs. Otherwise, Roy Williams might get in trouble. Anyway, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Ovius and Gilio. Shout out to everybody who's rated us five stars, following us on YouTube as well. This week, we'll finally be able to crack open that sweet table wine. 
the 10th anniversary Canes. I might need it if the Carolina Hurricanes lose tonight and drop 0-3 in this series to the Carolina Panthers. So, Joe, had that thing ready for Wednesday because I might be drinking it Wednesday morning. Yeah, shout out to Ray Maloof for, for supplying us. with her. And he even said Saturday, I watched the game with him. He goes, that that wine is not going to be good. And I was no. like, really? It's wine? He's like, no, it's it's terrible, sweet table wine. No, He's like, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. You don't want that. All right, we'll see you all on Wednesday. Uh, here we go again. We know y'all be listening. The OG back and better than it's ever been. Blast from the past. You know that our pace is fast. And if you want to sub, we got something for you to smash. Five stars with them positive vibes. Don't miss a beat week to week. You just got to subscribe. Even if your team's got you hella mad. Don't worry, we write our prescriptions on a yellow pad. So settle in, y'all. This is going to be fun. Because when it comes to hot takes, two is better than one. From beer to the canes to the ACC. Who knows more about this than us, the OG? Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money.